Does anyone remember where we left off? I think we're ready for 34. 34, okay. Yep, we'll pick up at Genesis 34 here. Now Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the region. When Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the region, saw her, he seized her and lay with her by force. And his soul was drawn to Dina, daughter of Jacob. He loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, Get me this girl to be my wife. Now Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter Dina, but his sons were in but his sons were with his cattle in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him, just as the sons of Jacob came in from the field. When they heard of it, the men were indignant and very angry, because he had committed an outrage in Israel by laying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing ought not to be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, the heart of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. You shall live with us and the land shall be open to you. Live and trade in it and get property in it. Shechem also said to his father and to her brothers, Let me find favor with you. And whatever you say to me, I will give. Put the marriage present and gifts as high as you like and I will give whatever you ask me, only give me the girl to be my wife. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully, because he had defiled their sister Dina. They said to them, We cannot do this thing, to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we consent to you, that you will become as we are, and every male among you be circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters for ourselves, and we will live among you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. Their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. And the young men did not delay to do that thing, because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all his family, so Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These people are friendly with us. Let them live in the land and trade in it, for the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters in marriage and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will they agree to live among us, to become one people, that every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock, their property, and all of their animals be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will live among us. And all who went out of the city gate heeded Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. On the third day, when they were still in pain, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brothers, took their swords and came against the city unawares and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dina out of Shechem's house and went away. And the other sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys and whatever was in the city and in the field and all their wealth and all the little ones of their wives 
and all that was in the houses they captured and made their prey. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me odious to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, Should our sister be treated like a whore? All right, let's pause there for a minute. That's it. It's an interesting um, story, to say the least. Um, so obviously, their their sister What's is more important: uh, the uh, words of, of the fathers to make an agreement, or what the boys want to do for their for their sister and their and their family honor and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very interesting um, story here. So. They, uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, only funny, I guess, in a vacuum, but they, uh, they trick them by making all the males get circumcised. And when they're, when they're recuperating from that, they slaughter them. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really kind of a nasty trick. Um, oh, that'll teach you. That'll, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I said, well, it'll teach two lessons though. Um, one is, one is don't mess with this this clan. Um, but the other might be, and this is what Jacob alludes to, that these are not to be, tr- these people are not to be trusted. Um, so this is what Jacob's saying here at the end, you know, we're still a, we're still a small group here in this land that we do not possess. And you have made everyone look suspiciously on us now. Um, you know, they, that's obviously the, the Shechem was very much in the wrong for what he did to to Dina, but, um, you know, the retribution of lying to them, making them all get circumcised and then slaughtering them, um, is, is going to have repercussions that maybe they did not in their youthful outrage, um, did not see coming. So, so where did they get into though? You know, God had directed them not to marry the other country's wives. Um, so well, now they're saying, you do it, and, and we'll just intermarry and everything. They didn't end up doing that right now. Right, so the prohibition isn't, isn't as strong yet about who can marry who. Right, that comes that comes a little later, but what we get here in Genesis is more of the, the reason that these other groups aren't good. So why would you want to marry into them? Like Esau marries into these groups, right? And it's it's not forbidden, forbidden. It's just we come to understand why it's not good. What happens here is that it was all a lie. They're not going to intermarry and give and give in a marriage. They know this, um, but the other groups don't. So the the ordinance, the rule, isn't for the other groups. It's for it's for God's people when it comes. Um, but they just use this as a as a trick, as a very deceitful trick. So, um, but Jacob, you know, in his in his wisdom, sees that. I don't know. It's it's a complicated moral and ethical question that that they're really getting into here, um, because the sons are still operating more on a kind of a black and white, right and wrong. You know, they're avenging their sister, and shouldn't they do that? Um, and and Jacob presents them with this. Well, you know, now we have to deal with this. Um, 
So in, within scripture, this is one of those, sometimes we think about things being much more clear cut, ethically and morally within, within the Bible. Um, this is one even in this small moment in this family where Jacob has to live or is thinking a little bit more in this gray area. You know, it's probably, it would have been considered right to avenge the, avenge their sister. Um, it probably would have been, so what's the, what's the issue here with what the sons have done? What's the problem? Well, two bombs don't make a uh, Well, they do and they don't, especially in this, in this period, you know. There is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and, and all that. How are you going to keep people of God safe? Ah, so there's that consideration, right? Yeah, that's what Jacob. That's what Jacob's. Said. Yeah, that's what Jacob's concerned about. Um, but what what did the brothers do here that was that's the problem? Oh, they. What should the What should the brothers have done? They should have gone to their father. Well, they should have gone to their father. But what would have been the what can you kind of estimate as the reasonable response? I don't know. They probably should have just go, gone and killed Shechem. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Right? Instead of the whole... Inst instead, of, instead of lying to them and then <laughs> murdering all of them and then genociding them and then taking all their stuff, um, they probably should have just done the eye for the eye thing. What happens here, if you think about it, so this is interesting. We hear eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and it sounds to us as a recipe for violence. And that's one way you can look at it. But really, it's also a rule that mitigates violence. It's, it's actually a prohibition. Um, if someone knocks out your eye, you can't kill them. If someone knocks out your tooth, you can't kill them. But you need retribution. Okay, you can take their eye, you can take their tooth. Right? It's actually a, it's a constraint. Um, what happens here is before that idea is really introduced, it's being introduced here. The problem is, sons of Jacob, not that you avenged your sister, it's that you went overboard. Um, and you proved us to be liars, which is, if you think about it, now we've lost our credit among, now why should these other groups believe us for anything? The last time you told a group something, you slaughtered them, so. Like honor among thieves and the mobs, you know? <laughs> yeah, kind of, right? You know, you can't, and what is there in that era? I mean, even still within within the way that nations and individuals deal with each other today, um, trust is the invaluable commodity. Um, and once you lose that, it's very hard to recover, so. Yeah, they don't trust each other in the Middle East today. Right, right, and why? Because there's. Too long a history. Because <laughs> there's generation, I mean, millennia of this built up, going back and forth, um, where one side acts and then one side overreacts. Um, that's always the, you know, it's interesting you bring up the Middle East, because even in those situations now, right, you'll have these intifadas where people are, are throwing rocks and stones, and then what happens? Well, then the other side responds with, um, you know, gunfire and missiles and all this, and then the other side fires missiles, and then, you know, it just, it keeps escalating. Um, and so aside from, aside from what the other groups would think, you know, there's, 
this intro, this introduction of escalating warfare has sort of been introduced here too, which could be prob very problematic going forward. Maybe we want to send this section to Putin. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's keep going at 35. Can someone pick up there? Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of all the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel in the land of Canaan. Then he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel, so it was named Alon Bakuth. After Jacob returned from Padam Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. And God went up from him at the place where he he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. Then they moved on from Bethel. While they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel yep. gave began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't be afraid, for you will have another son. As she breathed her last, she was, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Honi, but his father named him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, mm -hmm. that is Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Midgal and Eder. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah, mm -hmm. and Israel heard of it. Jacob had seven, it said, has twelve sons, the sons of Leah. Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, the sons of Rachel's handmaid, Bilhah, Dan, and Naphtali, the sons of Leah's maidservant, Zilpah, Gad, and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Pad Aram. Jacob came home to his father Isaac in Mamre near K 
pure Ave Herba. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Where Abraham and Isaac had stayed. Isaac lived 180 years. Then he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Isaac. Isaac. Isaac finally dies. And Isaac dies after, of course, um, you know, obviously Jacob's been getting this. Now this is funny, right? Isaac has just died. Wasn't, wasn't Isaac like on his deathbed when Jacob stole the blessing? Like, <laughs> like, like 35 years before that. <laughs> he was blind. I know he was blind, but he was, he was blind and he couldn't, he was giving away the blessing like he was going to die. And apparently he lives for another, you know, yeah, 20, good. 25, 30 years. I, I mean, obviously the whole, the whole impression of years is, is skewed enough that, um, you know, and it's tough to know what all that meant. Um, but if all these children were born. They're not just born. I mean, they've gotten old at this point. Yeah. You know, who is it here? Reuben is Reuben is of the age of sexuality, at least. So he's at least a teenager. Um, so some serious time has elapsed between uh, between Isaac being on his deathbed, and, or I guess not his deathbed, but his infirmed bed, and then finally dying. I mean, generations. Um, but I suppose if you live to 180, maybe you're still pretty pretty worn at 140 or whatever it was. Um, but so with... You must have had all those children before 140. Well, this is Isaac at this point. Isaac dies, but Isaac had already... So before Jacob ever leaves and has kids, obviously, that's when he gets the blessing, right? Um, from his father. But so Jacob's Jacob's inheritance of the of the blessing and the ratification of God of the blessing and the covenant sort of comes again here um, before before Isaac dies. Um, so, the and the same promises are, are made again. Um, yeah, so let's let's keep going. I'll I'll pick up here. I might. Yes, you can have all. The uh, well, you know, hang on, <laughs> hang on now. Let's see how we get on with this thirty six. Esau's descendants. These are the descendants of Esau, that is Edom. Esau took his wives from the Canaanites. And we're going to skim these names. Those are the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the members of his household, his cattle, all his livestock, and all his property he had according to the acquired in the land of Canaan. And he moved to a land some distance from his brother Jacob, for their possessions were too great for them to live together. The land where they were staying could not support them because of their livestock. So Esau settled in the hill country of Seir. Esau is Edom. These are the descendants of Esau, ancestor of the Edomites in the hill country of Seir. Lots of names. Okay. These are the clans of the sons of Esau. This is down at 15. Okay, more names. And then generation after generation. 
up to 31. These are the kings who reigned over the land of Edom before any king reigned over the Israelites. According to the families, list of successors, list of kings. All right, and that's, so 36 is all, just about all names. Yeah. So we'll jump, we'll springboard ahead to 37 here. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, or Zilpah, and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he had made him a long robe with many sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Listen, this dream that I dreamed, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly my sheaf rose and stood straight upright. Then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. He had another dream and told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I have had another dream. The sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What kind of dream is this that you said you have had? Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow down to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Um... So with, with these very obvious dreams of Joseph saying what? That he's going to be one in charge. the one in charge in the air. Um, why, does this, why does this cause his brothers to hate him? Well, they already don't like him because he's the favorite. He's the, yeah. yeah. But then now he's like... Look at me, you know, I'm gonna be, you're going to bow down to me. I'm right. Make no family happy, right? And what is, and what is one of the issues? So Joseph was born in Jacob's, Israel's older age. So he's not what in the family? Well, he's not the first. There you go. Yeah. Oh, there you go, right? Supposed to be. Right, we're supposed to have this order that never ever seems to work out, and um, so of course these are all the sons of Jacob, Israel. They're aware of the story of their father, right? So they are trepidatious. Now one of the younger ones is having these dreams. What's Jacob's reaction? Oh, so what's so interestingly enough though? Not only is he the favorite. And not only is he having these dreams that his brother will bow down to him, the final dream includes what? Who who's going to bow down to him? Who's, Jacob. Jacob, who's not just like the older. This is so. This isn't just a matter now of a younger brother usurping the right. 
the place of the older brothers, it's what? It's the kid usurping the father. Yeah. Not good. Not good. So, so he rebukes him for this, but also what? How does that end? So they send him out into the field. You know? Well, so the, the ver, so verse verse eleven, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Kept the same in mind. Yeah. Is what this one Right. So. It stayed in the back of his mind. Oh my goodness, yo, something will happen to Joseph and. Why? Because yeah, and Jacob got the Jacob got the uh, uh, blessing from God from the angel at least. Uh huh. For his descendants, it's always it's not just for you. It's always for your descendants too, right? Um, but I think again now now Jacob's a little a little older, a little wiser. Um, a little senile. Well, <laughs> I think it's more that he. What has his life experience been? He was the younger. He's already done one of these things before. So he kind of knows this is how God works. So there's this dream that Joseph has now had where even, where even Jacob and his, and his wife, his mother, or the mother of Joseph, will bow down before um, Joseph. I think, I think Jacob probably thinks this is true. Right. He's I, I think that's what it means that he kind of he keeps that matter in his mind. He keeps that saying in his mind. He doesn't get jealous. Um, he's he's already been through this thing where the normal order becomes out of whack. And I he, so he's not going to reject it flat out. He rebukes him. He rebukes him for kind of saying the contents of the dream. But he he probably believes it, too. Um, and that's having come through. Uh, now, wait a minute. Uh Joseph's mother is who? Uh, I mean, can like talk about somebody having and dying, but then saying. Well, that was the birth of Benjamin. Ben? I don't know. That's a good question. Do we get to find out? The say he birthed Joseph uh, probably says it back here. Well, oh gosh, when were they having the all the kids? The mother, right? Rebecca. When were they having all the kids here? Tells his birthright. Before the 36. These are descendants of Esau. No, not the descendants of Esau. It was it was when they were having sort of that baby making competition. So it was Rachel. Rachel was the Did you find it? Rachel travailed and she had had hard labor. Uh, 16 uh, in 35, 35, 16. Uh, trying to find Joseph's name here. The sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. Oh, there you go. Okay. Perfect. Yep, so he's Rachel's. And, of course, Rachel was preferred by Jacob, too. So, there's, there's that portion of it. All right, continuing 37, verse 12. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, 
Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. The man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered them out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin, on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not lay our hands on him. For he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, he drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And when they took Joseph, and they took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where can I turn? Then they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dripped the robe in blood. Then they had the long robe with sleeves taken to their father, and they said, this we have found. See whether it is your son's robe or not. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. A wild animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and muttered, for, mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters sought to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to be my to my son, mourning. Thus his father bewailed him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Well, I guess his brothers aren't all that bad. Down to Sheol, does that mean? It means, um, it means basically he'll die mourning. He'll never stop mourning. He'll, so Sheol is the, um, Old Testament sort of afterlife place, sometimes called the pit, um, sort of a place of shadowy space and death, um, kind of like a Greek Hades in a sense. Um, it's not a heaven, it's not a hell, it's just, it's death. Um, and, but basically he's saying, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to my death and I'll still be mourning. And I'll be mourning in death too. That's how, that's how broken up he is. Um, so his brother's not all that bad. <laughs> not as bad as they could be. 
Um, you know, obviously their jealousy gets gets the better of them, but their their temperament, if not their greed, um, causes them to pause and at least uh, not kill him and uh, and sell him into into slavery. And this will obviously have ramifications for all of them soon. But all right, can someone pick up at thirty eight. All right. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned in to a certain Adunai, whose name was Hira. There Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. He married her. Now let's see who's... Okay, Judah. Yeah. Now wait a minute, i got to get my new Judah is. That's one of the twelve sons, but... Right? Yeah. Okay, but we haven't heard too much about him before. This is in Judas. Right. Brothers. Okay. Um, Mary didn't went down there. Uh, and he called his name, he bore, she conceived and bore a son and he called his name Arab. Again, she conceived and bore a son and she called the name Onan. Yet, Again, she bore a son, and she called his name Sheila. She was in uh, Shebus when she, she bore him, and Judah took a wife for heir, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. They must have done that pretty early. Uh, but heir, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. Then Judah said to Onan, Go in to your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan uh, knew that the offspring would not be his. So when he went in to his brother's wife, he spilled the semen on the ground, lest he should give offspring to his brother. And what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord, and he slew him also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah, my son, grows up. For he feared that he would die like his brothers. So Tamar went and dwelt in his, her father's house. In course of time, the wife of Judah, Shua's daughter, died. And then, when Judah was comforted, he went up to Timnah, to his sleep, sleep? Oh, sheep herders. Uh, he and his friend Hira, the Andromite. And then Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. She put off her widow's garments and put on a veil, wrapped herself up, and sat at the entrance to Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shiloh was, was grown up, and she had not been given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought her 
He cut, she covered her, she had covered her face. He went over to her at the road and said, Come, let me come in to you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me that you may come in to me? He answered, I will send you a kid from the flock. And she said, Will you give me a pledge till you send it? He said, What pledge shall I give you? She answered, your signet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave it to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and went away, and taking off her veil, she put on her garments of her widowhood. When Judah set the kid by his friend, the Aldulamite, to receive the pledge from the woman's hand. He could not find her. And he asked the women of this place, Where is the harlot? Who was at Enamah, by the uh, wayside? And they said, No harlot has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. And also the men of the place said, no harlot had been here. And Judah replied, Let her keep the things as her own, lest we be, we be laughed at. You see, I sent this kid, and you couldn't find her. I don't understand this at all. About three months later, Judah, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, uh, has played the harlot, and moreover, she is with child by her and Judah said, Bring her out, and let her be burned. As she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, By the man to whom these belong, I am with child. And she said, Mark, I pray you, whose these are, the signet and the cord and the staff. Then Judah acknowledged them and said, She is more righteous than I, inasmuch as I did not give her my son, she lied, and he did not lie with her again. Who's lying with her? She? No, Judah. Okay. When the time of her delivery came, there were twins in her womb, and when she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and bound on this hand a scarlet thread, saying, This came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out. And she said, What a, a breach you have made for yourself. Hmm? Therefore, his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came out with the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zerah. Now, Joseph... All right, let's pause there, because it's, it's going to shift. So, this is a um, a bit of a, a one-off story um, that, that's in here. So, you have Judah, right? Judah's one of the, one of the sons. Um, Judah goes, takes a wife, okay? 
um, Shua. He married, so Judah marries Shua. She has a son, Er, E-R, um, and another son, Onan, um, and Shelah. All right, so three sons. Um, the three sons, Shelah, Onan, and Er. Er is wicked. Um, Judah took a wife for Er, his firstborn. Her name was Tamar. So the firstborn heir gets a wife, Tamar. But heir is wicked, so heir dies. Then Judah tells his second son, Onan, to go in and have a son for heir because he was fulfilling this. If the brother dies, the son, or the other, the other brother takes the wife. But actually the, the baby that you have then is not yours. It belongs to your dead brother. It was kind of, it was just the way that they tracked families and heritages. Um, even though it's biologically yours, it, it doesn't matter. You're fulfilling your brother, your dead brother's role so that his heritage can live on. Remember, it's, we, we talked about this when we were in Abraham. The most important thing is, is your lineage, your legacy, right? Um, so even though you've already died because you have a brother, your brother will extend your legacy. Um, but Onan doesn't want to go through with this because he doesn't want to have a brother for his brother. He doesn't want to have a kid for his brother. Um, so he essentially, you know, doesn't complete the, the act of sex and um, for, for pregnancy's sake. And uh, God strikes him down. So now the two brothers, Er is dead. Onan's dead. No one's pregnant yet. Tamar is, Tamar is the wife. She's not pregnant yet. So um, let's see. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, remain in, remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up, for he feared that he would too die like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. So Shelah was that third-born son, right? Mm -hmm. So he says, go back to your father's house. I'll call you when Shelah is old enough because he can now step in for Er and Onan, who are both dead now. Um, and then in the course of time, the wife of Judah, Shua's daughter, died, right? So now Judah's a widower. When Judah's time of mourning was over, he went up, okay? Um, and so Judah's now a free man. He's not married. So he wants to go have sex with the temple prostitute and, uh, exchanges her a pledge to give her a, a kid, a young goat, um, in, in payment for this. Um, but the temple prostitute he thinks he lays with isn't actually a prostitute. It's Tamar. Um, well, he finds out that Tamar, because Tamar is still kind of married, in a sense, to the family. So she's not, her baby-making still belongs to Judah and his family, so to speak. So he gets a report that Tamar is pregnant because she was playing, because she was acting as a prostitute. Judah calls for her because she's going to be killed. But then she has the thing that Judah gave her as a pledge. So he realizes that he's the father of these twins. Okay. So it's, it is this long convoluted story about how, 
he winds up sleeping with his daughter-in-law and, and that's where these two new descendants are going to come from. Um, and how old is Judah at this time? Uh, I don't think it says, does it? And I don't think we know how old Sheila gets to be. But he's not old enough that Tamar has been given to Sheila yet. Uh, and he did not lie with her again. Now, wait a minute. And she laid with him yet? Oh, no. So, so Judah did not lie with her again. I get it. I get it. Anyway, um, so yeah, Sheila's not old enough yet. He hasn't been... He hasn't been given over into marriage for, for his brothers yet. But, um, so anyway, long, long convoluted story. Um, you know, is there a greater message to this story? Well, it introduces a couple things. One is, is onanism, if you've ever heard that term. It's essentially where it's um, seen as sinful for a man specifically to spill his seed for anything other than procreation. So that's, that becomes wrapped up in the sin of Onanism named after Onan, a sin punishable by death. Um, it's also a family betrayal story. Um, Onan should have done the right thing and taken his brother's wife and created a heritage for his older dead brother, even though his older dead brother was wicked. Um, so he betrays his, his family. Um, there's no seeming judgment on Judah's use of, of a prostitute. No. No? That's just... It seems like almost that that was a... A reasonable thing. Yeah, he's not, he's not ashamed of it at all. He's just... That was just kind of the way it was going to be. Um, so, yeah, that's not seen as a thing. The, the end of the story, though, is interesting, right? Because um, you have these the birth of these twins. So when have we had twins? Jacob and Esau. So it's running in the family. And uh, and what happens at Jacob and Esau's birth? There's, there's, the second one became the... Well, that's what happens in their life. But the second one, like, grabs the ankle. Like, there's this... You almost get this story of these two, that there's this issue that emerges at birth. Right? Jacob comes out clinging to Esau's, Esau's ankle. Um, what happens in this story? One sticks out its hand, but then the other one's born first. Ah, so what does that mean? <laughs> there's a fight in the and womb. That's where God's intervened again here. <laughs> God's intervened again, there's a fight in the womb, or there's also going to be just this, who's first? Out of these two. Who's who's born first? Well, the second. Is he? He didn't have the red oh, band. The one with the red band. Is but he came out second. See, so there's going to be this this conflict here. There's a conflict in their birth story about who's actually first. Someone stuck out their hand first and got it and got it tied with a red with a red ribbon, red piece of yarn, whatever. Um, but they're not. But then they go back in and the other one comes out first. So it's kind of this. There's going to be an issue in this family right from the get go about mm -hmm. about lineage. Um, nothing can ever be easy. <laughs> with this group, I swear. All right, let's see what that takes us to. Um, 
This might be a good spot to stop. Yeah, it's just kind of thrown in there. It really is. But this might be a good spot to stop because I think the rest is going to go with Joseph down to Egypt and all the stuff therein. Um, so it'll make that transition. But but yeah, the story of Judah and Tamar becomes... Um, and, and this has happened before in Genesis where you kind of just get this... You got to put a story somewhere and it just kind of gets thrown in. Maybe it's chronological in order. Maybe that was the thought. Maybe it's just a break in the in the timeline between them selling Joseph down to slavery and then, you know, it's like an interlude almost, you could say. But anyway, we're, we're almost to the end. I think it'll probably take another two weeks or so um, for us to finish up. But, but Joseph has entered Egypt, so we're getting close. The Lord be with you. Also with you. God, we give you thanks for the wisdom that you provide for us in the scriptures and the fellowship that we get with one another. We ask that you bless us and continue to bless us this day so that those things that you instill in our hearts, Lord, we make known into the world. Lord, remember us always in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.